I didn't know what I know, being raised the way I was, would my son have ended up in a really bad way? Like, would he have committed suicide? Or would he have hurt himself seriously? Um, I just think there need to be certain checks. You know, I know that our healthcare system is really under the pump at the moment, but I feel like you've got all these children who are on a, in a lot of difficult situations, socially, medically, um, we're giving our kids all these different types of medication. There need to be, in my point, well, my opinion is, there need to be certain checks where either a doctor or a nurse will follow up with each of these kids and say, hey look, parent, how is your kid doing? Approximately one in every 59 children are born with autism. Albert Einstein. Dr. Einstein had no speech until age three. Steve Jobs. He was a loner. He brought snakes to school. Leonardo da Vinci. This man was far advanced on the autism spectrum. I'm not naughty. I'm autistic. And I just get too much information. You're listening to Takiwatanga. Love Not Cure, exploring autism one strength at a time. Tell me about um, your journey. I'm interested in finding out about the time when you found out your son has autism or Asperger's, I don't know what term should we use. Oh, look, I mean, I, like I said, I'm quite happy to use Asperger's because that's the diagnosis that we got from the doctor. Mm. So Eli was five years old. He goes to a Teatro school on the terrace. And yeah. his first year teacher, I hope I can use her name, Bernice. Yeah. She mm. has an education background in special education. So yeah, she... Yeah. And she worked years with uh, special needs children. And Eli was displaying very uh, unusual behaviors in school. Mm. So he would get visibly upset uh, in assemblies or right. when there were loud noises, um, when there was a change in uh, routine. Mm. He would pace back and forth anxiously. Right. He would line his toys. He had his favorite toys in, in class. And you know when they're like first years, they don't really do any, any schoolwork. It's all like, hey, let's learn our colors and sing along together. But he had toys and he would line them up. And if another kid touched them, he would lose it. It was just a, a full-on meltdown. But there were other things. He, he, um, he was a bit delayed in speech as well. So she sat down with my husband and I and she said, hey, I... I really want to sit down with you and discuss some of the behaviors I've seen with, with Eli because he's a really sweet kid and I really like him, but I, I just think that he's struggling in school. So we were able to get a referral to CAMS. CAMS is a child adolescent mental health services. Yeah. Uh, the teacher wrote up uh, an in-depth report and we got the GP involved, and I think the school has some sort of going through, the, maybe the minute, I don't know how accurate this is, but maybe going through the Ministry of Education, they can put in a referral for CAMS if, they, if, the, if the teachers notice, or maybe because she had a background in special education, she had hookups or something. I don't know how we got involved, but basically we had a referral to see amazing doctor um, at CAMS, and we sat down. Um, he got a diagnosis of ADHD and Asperger's syndrome, or ASD. And, That's um, another term. Another, yeah. Um, and it's just kind of been an ongoing journey. So like the first few years were, were wonderful. Um, we were being seen by the same doctor at CAMS facility, which is uh, in Wellington, Cambridge Terrace, towards the end of Cambridge Terrace. There's like, I don't know the street name, but it's kind of like there's a, there's a KFC on Cambridge Terrace and then there's a little street that you go off and then it's kind of tucked back in the back little white building. We had no problems but it was just sort of more recently that we've kind of stumbled into some problems but it was a, it's sort of a I guess once you're in the system and you've got um, great uh, a great connection and network and you've got um, good communication with the doctors involved I feel like it's it's okay but um, they like did regular medication reviews. Uh, he had every six months. He had a, a weight, uh, a height, and blood pressure review, just because the methylphenidate I think is an, is an appetite suppressor. And kids being so young, you don't really want their appetite to be suppressed. And 
that's sort of where we're at now. So he's 10, so he was diagnosed when he was five. So we've had this diagnosis for five years and he's come a long, long way. Yeah. When you found out, did you bring him directly to the GP or? No, so we were being seen, uh, can I use the doctor's name? Is it okay? First name? I yeah, or Dr. X. I don't know, it's last Dr. X for <laughs> Dr. <argument>. L, Dr. <laughs> L. Um, so, so we were seeing the same doctor, uh, the child psychiatrist, and he also works at the hospital. So he kind of works at CCDHB and at the CAMS clinic. And um, we were seeing him on a regular basis. So we were not discharged to the GP until I think two or three years into the diagnosis. So he was being, my son Eli was being seen by the doctor. And then we were discharged into the GP's care. Uh, when we needed, so when he would have a growth growth spurt and the dosage needed to be uh, adjusted, we would tell the doctor, a doctor would put in a referral back to CAMS and then we would get an appointment and it used to be quite quick and we've seen significant delays now and like I was saying before, he's now on a 7 to 12 month waiting list for a, a dosage review. So did they change any any? process procedure or something in terms of referral or it's still the same it's st well so the process that we or that I know of is being at CAMS so you see the doctor and then if everything is going well so he would adjust the medication appropriately to what he thought would be a good dosage for Eli mm -hmm. and uh, and that was all based off of the teacher's notes so his school is quite good they take regular notes and we have regular meetings about how Eli is progressing in school um, they take notes, behavioral changes, or is he lacking in this area? And then based on that information, plus our observations as parents, he would do, do a dosage yeah. assessment and see how it goes for a few months, come back. If he was fine, then he would discharge us back into the GP's care. And the GP, of course, can do a repeat prescription, but GPs don't have the same access to medication as a psychiatrist. So repeat prescription, but they cannot change the dosage? I don't believe that they have the ability to adjust because I think the adjustment and the changing of medication is only done by a clinical psychiatrist. I mean, I mean the GP has said that she feels that he does need a dosage change. Recently, because he has grown, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because it has something to do with pro proportion and the size. And that, height. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's quite tall and lanky for his age. So he's but he's not underweight. He's he's still like he eats heaps, which is great. Mm -hmm. But for him, uh, he's tall, lanky. So he he doesn't really need a larger dose. For some kids his age, so basically there was a, a scale uh, in uh, what am I trying to say? A, a scale that they use. So for him, he was on 20 milligrams in the morning and 7.5 at lunch because he's on the quick release methylphenidate. And that wasn't working any longer. So the GP said, let's, let's get a referral into the pediatric department, see if they can do a review and then change the medication. They came back quite quickly and they changed his medication from methylphenidate to Ritalin, the slow release. And within a week, we saw significant behavioral changes. He was hitting his head, he was agitated, he wasn't sleeping, he was pacing back and forth, he had extreme anxiety, he had suicidal thoughts. So we called the GP and basically the GP was like, right, well, that is a side effect unfortunately of this medication, so yeah. let's take yeah. him off and put him back on methylphenidate to slow release. Yeah. But instead of doing the request that we originally wanted was a dosage assessment by CAMS. We were put in a waiting list to see psych, uh, the pediatric department at the hospital. So I went back to the GP and I said, I know you were trying to do us a solid here and you know reduce our waiting, but I don't think it's done us any favors. So can you put in another referral to CAMS? And because it seems like there's only one doctor working there, which is our doctor, and because he's working in a clinical setting in a hospital as well, he's having to share his time and we're on a seven to 12 month waiting list just to get a dosage did they, review. Did they tell you about the, the side effect of that? For Ritalin? Yeah. No. So we, well, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> but should, I mean, 
should they be telling regardless of who the GP is or who the doctor is or who prescribed it should they be telling you the the side effect of what's potentially gonna I I I have um, a, a habit of asking a lot of questions mm. when we go to the hospital or the GP or chems I ask as many questions as possible and I always ask about the side effects um, but I, I guess I stupidly assumed that Ritalin and methylphenidate, they're in the same family. They, it's just quick versus slow release. I thought that it wouldn't have anything extra that we, had, we hadn't experienced already. But, but I think that it is, it is necess- necessary that anytime you're prescribing something, you always go through, this is the fullest of side effects. These are the most common side effects. These are the not so common side effects. And what to do. What, and what, what to do yeah. in these situations. Because I, both of my parents were doctors, and so I had quite an unusual background uh, or childhood of being raised in a medical setting, basically. That's why you knew all about those medicines and terminology, <laughs> like, okay, how can you memorize those terms? For me, it's like, yeah, all yeah. gone. <laughs> so, and, um, so I sort of know uh, the medical terminology. I know how to kind of talk to doctors and... Um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying, where I was going with Side that. Effects. Side effects. Side effects, <laughs> yeah. So I kind of, yeah, so I I, um, I do ask a lot of questions so that I can kind of get an idea of what I'm going to be dealing with. But I wonder how many parents would have been in the same situation and just stuck with the Ritalin, the, the, the you know, like, the one that, we that effects, had yeah. the bad side effects. So for my son... We monitored him very closely, and he only gets his medication for school, like Monday to Friday. We don't give it on weekends or school holidays. And um, I just, I, I thought, you know, if I didn't know what I know, being raised the way I was, would my son have ended up in a really bad way? Like, would he have committed suicide, or would he have hurt himself seriously? Um, I just think there need to be certain checks. You know, I know that our healthcare system is really under the pump at the moment, but I feel like you've got all these children who are on a, in a lot of difficult situations socially, medically. Um, we're giving our kids all these different types of medication. There need to be, in my point, well, my opinion is there need to be certain checks where either a doctor or a nurse will follow up with each of these kids and say, hey, look, parent, how is your kid doing? We did a recent prescription change. I just want to make sure that your child isn't displaying any of these these characteristics or these behaviors because these are quite concerning because your child is young. And oftentimes I find in kids that are autistic, they don't often express how they really feel. So like my son Eli, if he was bullied at school, he wouldn't say anything to us. He's quiet. And it's not him, it's the teachers who reach out to us and say, hey, look, we're following it because... Eli had something happen to him at school today and he was very upset by it. Did he talk to you about it? And here we are going, what the heck? No, we didn't know. So, you know, oftentimes kids that are on the spectrum, they don't um, communicate with parents the way that they should. So there's, I feel like there should be some sort of obligation by the, a medical practitioner or a nurse or something to follow up there. Because I don't think there are a lot of parents that know about side effects and medications and what to expect. And especially if you've got one child and your one child is autistic, this is a life-changing yeah. situation. And if you don't have that background history, then how, how, you know, how can you be expected to know what to do? Yeah, and not that you're passing on the, the responsibility to practitioners, but it's, it's like these parents are already under, under different stress yeah you know, and we tend to usually forget like oh yeah i forgot about this i need to pull up or something like that yeah, yeah i mean i think that eli so i eli is high Carry functioning yep. um so he, his medication methylphenidate is just to help monitor his uh hyperactive deficit disorder so adhd yeah. so he he um basically from the time he gets up to the time he goes to sleep he's back and forth moving and we put a pedometer a step counter on him and he was doing anywhere between 25,000 to 30,000 steps a day Ooh. back and forth 
just constantly moving, jumping up and down, not able to sit still. And he only sleeps about four to five hours a night. That's, yeah. I mean, something that you need to worry about. I mean, that well, yeah, that's right. So we were, um, so he takes um, melatonin to go to sleep. Right. But that, that requires prescription, right? Uh, I think you can get like some uh, kind of more diluted brands from like the health store, but the good stuff comes from the doctor. So right. I, I would go with the prescribed medication over, mm. over, you know, the stuff that you get from like the general health store, the chemist or something. Um, and, and it kind of works, but so we've had multiple meetings uh, to discuss his lack of sleep and because it doesn't seem to bother him, there's it doesn't seem to be a concern. Yeah. But also, my dad specializes in sleep studies. Cool. So he's a pulmonologist, uh, internal medicine specialist, and sleep apnea specialist. Can can he prescribe a medicine to Eli even though he's... He doesn't work in, the, in New Zealand. He's, yeah, he's right. based in the US. So um, we often... Well, my dad knows about both of my children's uh, medical history. So we always are forwarding copies to my dad to review. And I mean, he's doesn't really like the New Zealand healthcare system and he wants us to go private. But I'm, you know, I'm saying to my dad, unless you want to fork out thousands of dollars for private healthcare, where unfortunately, you know, this is, this is the healthcare system that we rely on. Yeah. um, Which I think is the same as the majority. Right. Of New Zealanders, we rely on a public healthcare system where, unfortunately, we have long waits. That's another question that I've raised, like, early intervention. It's always, like, I'm always coming back to the fundamentals, like, early intervention intervention works, but the, the problem is once you get your child assessed, you have this long waiting list. I mean, not, not yet assessed. I mean, like, you go to uh, to your GP, and then they will say that we suspect that he is mm. the autism spectrum, like in my case. And then, okay, now we will be referring you to the DHB. Mm-hmm. We were referred to DHB, and then there's this waiting list, and we needed to wait and wait and wait mm. and wait and wait until you get time. And then after that first meetup, yeah, we have um, the OT, occupational therapist, and the PDA. I think he's a PDA. And then we were explaining every circumstance, every scenario that we have encountered, like he's having this behavior and traits and, and, and so, mm. so on. And then we needed to go back after, after that because there will be a follow-up. I mean, given the, all the details that we have provided, all the information, and still, we still need to follow it up. And, and yeah. then we're missing the boat in terms of getting the, the support and the... So there's a good or like a quick I don't know if this is um, for everyone, but mm. quick diagnosis, but poor follow follow through. Yeah. So, I and I don't know why some kids are referred to CAMS and some are referred to the DHB because mm. they're two separate clinics, and it seems to be they're completely independent of each other. And our experience it, with the DHB is the waiting lists are yeah. ridiculous. Because when my son started to wake up in the middle of the night, like 12 a.m., 1 a.m., then good luck to you if you can go back to sleep after five minutes. No. He's going to wake up and then he's going to be crying all day, mm-hmm. all night. Good thing there, there are no police <laughs> coming like, by. Like, <laughs> no one's reporting us. Like, this child is crying overnight and stuff like that. I think we are only able to sleep back around 5 a.m., 4 a.m. How old is your... When we, we, we suspect that he, he has autism, it's he's three, less than three, I think. Yeah. And then he's five now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we're just switching, like, um, switching places with my wife. Like, yeah. Uh, can you carry him now? Because my husband needs a little bit of a stretching and stuff like that. So, yes, four, five a.m., then we go back to sleep, and then five a.m. is my wake time, <laughs> you yeah. know, five or six a.m. for work. Oh, that's rough. Yes, and you 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 can't ask the doc uh, for any medications and stuff like that because we're still waiting at that time yeah. for an assessment. So there's no proof that your child is autistic because they need you know paper. And I wonder if you 
um, so your child's being seen by the GP as well. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could possibly say, I want a referral to CAMS. Like, I don't want to go through the DHB, I want to go through CAMS because they specialize in this and yeah. you might get a shorter wait list. I, I just, I, and I should probably go back and ask the teacher how we got into CAMS because my husband and I have sort of not been equally involved. I'm terrible at answering my personal emails, so my <laughs> husband is not. And so she would email both of us and she would get a quicker response from my husband. So yeah. she would stop emailing me and email my husband. And so I'm kind of, I, I'm in the loop as far as like my son goes, but mm. the referral process, my husband yeah. knows more about it. Yeah. My, my husband also has a degree in psychology, so he sort of understands right. this a little bit better than I do. But um, I, I'm just not sure. I think we got a referral directly to CAMS. Right. rather than the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember ever having an appointment with just the GP. Like it wasn't until after we were discharged from the care of CAMS um, that we started seeing the GP. Is it because of having Asperger's or no? That shouldn't I, I be, don't know. I mean, like, that shouldn't be the qualifications, right? Because if you know where you're going, I mean, there's a but there's yeah. a right path to, to that. Right? I, I don't know because at the time we didn't have a diagnosis. It was just the teacher writing, these are a list of all the behaviors we're seeing and I suspect he's on, this, on the spectrum and we want to get him reviewed. So then that was sent to, and I don't know how we were, we were, we were sent to CAMS rather than DHB. And that's something I need, kind of need to ask my husband because he would know. But I've sort of since then been more in the loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the initial process. It's not, yeah, it's not that you're going to be more in the loop, but you're, you will always be in the loop, but what loop? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I am I, doing the majority of everything now, um, but it's just the initial, how did, I, and I, I, should, I feel terrible saying this, but it's just the initial being referred um, by the school to CAMS that I'm not quite sure the links there, right. how we got there. But I know that we were never... Um, uh, referred to the hospital until recently and that was because we were told that our doctor at CAMS is fully booked because he's doing hospital rounds and right. he's doing stuff at CAMS so he's being he's sort of being stretched too thin right. so because he has such a long waiting list the GP thought that she was doing us a favor by referring us to the DHB which has a slightly less waiting list um, but good luck with that <laughs> I mean here we are we've got a referral letter on a refrigerator that says, you are currently on our waiting list. The waiting time is seven to 12 months. Yeah. And we're like, this is a 10 year old mm. who and is developing. Yeah. These are like crucial times in their life. They need to be assessed, I think, ASAP. Right. I mean, New Zealand already has a really high suicide rate. And yeah. I feel like our children need to be prioritized here because if you treat, if you diagnose and treat something effectively and efficiently when they're little, and you follow through all the way to adulthood, mm. you might see a significant reduction in at least some suicide cases. Mm. I mean, I hope that my child never has to go through what he went through because it was two weeks of absolute hell. And it was only because I'm a very persistent person and I'm quite a bossy person. And when I get on the phone with my GP, I said, I want this done now and I'm not going to stop until it's done because I don't want him on a medication where he's saying that he wants to kill himself. And I stopped giving it to him straight away. So as soon as we, he started talking about that, I said, nope, I'm not giving it to him anymore. He's never had these sort of thoughts before. And it wasn't until we changed the medication that he started talking like this and behaving like this. So we took him off of that. But the, and the, but the RGP is very good. Um, we are very blessed to have an awesome GP, and she's she's very onto it. And she just said, "Yeah, no, you did the right thing. Don't give it to him anymore. Take the rest of the Ritalin, give it back to the chemist, so they can dispose of it properly. And I will just write him up a repeat from his original, like the methylphenidate, and then we'll just keep him on that. Unfortunately, until we can get him seen by someone who can adjust the dosage that he's on to be more accurate to his weight and his age." So what did you give him after you stopped breathing? We had a few days where he was not on any medication at all. And we just said to the teachers, you're going to have to bear with us. I mean, 
just be patient with him. He's going to be running around in the background of the class, which they find very distracting for a lot of the other kids. But um, oftentimes they'll put him in. There are a few other kids in his classroom that are um, uh, on the spectrum as well, and one of them is a high-needs kid. So they often kind of, sounds like they're segregating them, but they kind of put them together and they've got the way their, their classroom is designed is quite cool. So they've got like a main classroom and they've got three different um, like reading nooks. Yeah. So they and they have like closed doors where they're kind of a quiet room. And one of the kids has a minder and um, she'll sit in the classroom or in that little room with Eli and, the, and a handful of the other kids and they put headphones on and little tablets and kind of so distract themselves yeah. just so they can, you know, get something done. And Eli, you know, he's a he's a good reader. He's really good at math and his writing is OK, but he's more into like tech stuff, problem solving, those sorts of things. So he's, he's good at uh, puzzle solving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's more mechanical, mechanically minded. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Anyways. Have you seen some machines built at your, uh, behind your house? <laughs> well, yet, he, he loves Legos, so he'll, right. he'll put Legos together and create these really cool characters. But he also is really good at drawing, yeah. and he's into comic books. So he'll draw these really cool characters, and you like 10-year-old, you know, they've got cool imagination, but he develops full stories. Wow. And he does these really cool sound effects. So kind of, he does like beatboxing, Ooh. but he can mimic sounds. It's it's crazy. He'll hear a beat because he's also got a photographic memory. Yeah. So he'll hear a beat and repeat it, and it will sound almost identical. I've never heard anything like That's that before, amazing. so it's really cool. Yeah. What interests me is they have this superpower that it will amaze oh, you. Like, Ooh, totally you cool. Can, you, you can do that. And how did you learn that? Like, no, I just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his recall is nuts. Yeah. So he, um, I remember. He was pacing back and forth in one of those little classrooms while we were having a parent-teacher meeting. Mm. And my husband and I were talking to both of his teachers and then Bernice, who is the special education um, and first-year teacher, we're going over all these things. This is how Eli is doing. He's doing really great and progressing. He's at the right level for his age. Um, struggling in social interactions is his biggest thing. He doesn't like physical touch. He doesn't like to participate in like group activities, he'll sit just outside. Can you hug him? Like, no. As a mom. I can hug him, but he doesn't hug back. He kind of does this. Right. Feel, feels awkward for him. Like, yeah, yeah, so he's kind of does this. No, don't touch me. How about that? Can, can dad hug him? Yeah, but he does the same thing. So oh. he won't hug you back. You, But my husband and I and his nana and his auntie are the only people, and his little brother, can do a, a good bear hug. Anyone else, like a pat on the back, that's about as far as you can get. Yeah. We can, were having yeah. a parent-teacher conference meeting, yeah. mm -hmm. and we were talking about some very specific points. And Eli was in the back room, pacing back and forth, kind of making these really cool sounds. He just like, <laughs> like mimicking all these like cool characters that he's come up with. And a month later, mm. we had a just a quick review, and Eli goes, "Oh no, that's not what you guys said." Oh. And we, like, yeah, my husband and I and the teachers all just stopped what we were doing, excuse me, and he said verbatim what we yeah. had said, and we didn't think he was listening at all. Mm. And luckily, the teacher had on her notepad exactly, you know, like what we had been talking. She was like, oh, my God, I didn't think you were listening. And here he is going, no, no, that's not what you said. So my husband and I now cannot say to him, we'll buy you a game in a week's time or, you know, next pay, we'll see, we'll take you guys somewhere cool, because he'll say, Remember, like two months ago, you said you were going to buy this for me, and you still haven't. So his recall is crazy. Wow. Yeah. So very talented. Kids who are on the spectrum definitely, like you said, have some really cool superpowers. Yeah. And especially in today's time, I think they'll fit in. Because this is yeah. like a time of people to grow with technology, and um, just being unique is quite cool. Yeah. You know, and, you really yeah. succeed. Um, if you're artsy or you know you're technologically savvy, those sorts of things. Whereas if you're an old bird like myself, who can't do anything on the computer, say that? why do you say that? Mm, you know, we're kind of a, we're a we're a dying breed. 
as long as we can just support them mm. to, I always keep on telling my wife my goal or my 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 of, of course parents have goals with kids right mm -hmm. and my goal for my kids is this super high and then for my youngest who's got autism not that I I don't look at him like being super successful mm. but for now he just needs to learn about living skills that's it once he he's able to manage and learn about that mm. now next step next step next step there's so many different levels like the autism spectrum is so vast there are so many different kids that fit into this category you can't hold them all at the same level right eli he used to be like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he's gone through different phases of his life where he's gotten into so many different things, like comic books. He was into building things. He was into space. And then I love marine life. I love water. I love the sea. I love sharks. You know, that's my thing, being out in nature. And he went through a stage where he was memorizing the Latin name of all the dinosaurs, like the marine dinosaurs. And he could tell you from what period they were when they went extinct, what their prey was, what their predator, uh, um, predators? Predators, yeah. yeah. Prey, predators, yeah. Yeah. What would prey on them, I guess. <laughs> and um, he has these books and, you know, occasionally he'll pull them out and he'll go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And then he reads like one line and then he's into it. And he can tell you all of the information again. But so I would, I would ask him, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said he wanted to be, be a marine engineer and build subs to go into areas to explore the sea that we haven't been in yet. Yes. Um, and then cool. now if you ask him what he wants to be, oh, I want to design uh, websites and I want to be a YouTube star and I want to build and just play video games all the time. I'm like, okay, can we go back to being a marine, marine engineer? engineer. But, but, but they're ma making heaps of money on that space. Oh, yeah. for real. Like yeah. some of these YouTubers are millions of dollars. Yeah. He watches these, this um, family FGTV. They're a cool family. Yeah. They're really cool. But they sell merch. I mean, they're yeah. millions because and millions. Because you can expand. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all they do is play video games. Right. It's just like that, you know, like they've got the green screen with their, like the, you'll see the dad and the, the kids and they're all playing and you get to watch them play this, these stupid video games. You're like, what the heck is going on here? It's a stupid floppy frog just jumping around and like hijacking cars and slapping things. And it's millions and millions of views. And you're like, this dude is making so much money. Look, Eli, if you want to do that, that's okay, but you better be successful. Yeah. But his thing, he changes all the time. So like Jack and I always have to tell each other, he might not be the same or have the same interests as other like neuro normal neurotypical kids. Mm. But he has goals for himself, and that's the important thing as a parent is to nurture the things that he's interested in and help mold him into the best person he can be. Yeah. Because if he doesn't do well in um, in college, then we might have to take him out and homeschool him or put him in a different school system. Because we're sort of, he's, you know, year six going on year seven, so he's got two more years at Tiaro and then he will be in college. And that's scary for me because he's at a, his school at the moment is very small, very small classrooms. And that's going to be a bigger school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all the Bryce kids, the Bryce males, go to Rongatai College. We've been three generations that have gone to Rongatai College. They know the teachers. They know everyone there, basically. And my brother-in-law is the rugby coach. Ooh. Eli's not interested in rugby. He's like, I don't... Oh, uh, yeah, because no. of the touching. Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was kind of interested in swimming for a while, but then he doesn't like the competition because he's... Um, He's quite hard on himself, so if he loses or if he doesn't get something straight away, he gets very frustrated, frustrated. and he's very emotional. So he'll start to cry, and then he says, I just can't do it, and I'm stupid. I'm like, no, you're not stupid. You just have to calm down and take a second and try and figure it out. Mm. But right. college is a bit of a nerve-wracking experience. Now I'm going to start thinking about it at an early stage, but yeah, yeah. let's see. Oof. You're making me nervous. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm just so paranoid. I'm like, oh, 
you can't monitor your kids all the time. All the time and yeah. I am, maybe I'm an overprotective parent, but. Yeah, and that's the thing. These kids need to be at, I don't know, um, at school doing social interactions kids with other kids. Kids are brutal. Yeah, right? Kids are brutal. They're so malicious and unforgiving. And judgmental. Very. <laughs> I am judgmental at some, at some point, but. Yeah, oh look, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I was a turd in high school too, but um, <laughs> I didn't bully people. So, I, but you know, when I was in school to now, I feel like kids have gotten a little bit more malicious. Because right. we've got the social media platforms, you know, like where they can record they can each other. And, and express can, themselves like no one's looking. Well, I mean, you've got, I mean, these are horror stories that hopefully, I mean, they haven't happened to anyone that we know of, hmm. but... You know, you hear these stories where these kids record things happening in school and they post them and they go viral and then there's this kid who is the center of a negative attention. Right. But, so I feel like social media is kind of a good and a bad thing. But Eli, he's, he's a quiet kid and he's very loving and caring and he, he seems to have a good niche or a, a good group of kids that he fits in with that understand that he's a little bit different. Um, and they don't force him to play games. They just kind of go, oh, we're going to do this. Yeah. If you want to play with us, you can. And they'll start playing, and you'll see Eli kind of hanging around out just outside the group while they're playing their game. And they'll be playing, like, swords, pretend swords, but if there's a stupid sandpit, and, you know, they're digging holes. and As long as he's doing the social interaction. I mean, that's yeah. very important in terms of if you want to, you know, you want to... In, impose a daily living skill but because that's a daily living oh, skill. Oh yeah, for and sure. Well, humans are a social animal, right? So yeah. we don't really tend to function right if we're not social. Yeah. And yeah. then look what happens if you're a hermit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta think of... A little crazy. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that maybe if you're wired differently, maybe that doesn't apply. Maybe he'll be fine. Is your son... Is he... Eligible for ORS, 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 what's the term? I forget. That's the funding that you will have, your son had or has high need support and you have teacher aid. Ah, um, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. Um, so Bernice, the teacher, she said that we were eligible for support funding. So maybe that's, that's, the a, that's the same thing. But I think the schools uh, have their own funding or it's like allocated depending on how, how high the, the need the is need. for it. Do you think uh, Eli has high needs? or Eli is not high needs. Very high needs. So, uh, because we did ask about should he have a, a minder at school and the teachers kind of said well he's kind of too high functioning for that. Like he can do the, the math, he can read, he can write, he can do everything up to his age so he's it's okay. He's okay. So, like, you know, I guess if they were going to grade him, he would be, uh, he's at the appropriate level for his age. But it's just his social and some areas, reading comprehension. So he can read a book and he can tell you what happened in it. But if you were to quiz him and say, what do you think this, the, the main character got out of this? What was the lesson? That uh, He wouldn't be able to tell you. He would just be like, oh, he played with a red ball. So he can tell you everything that he read but he can't comprehend the story he can't put two and two together yeah and give you an answer so he really struggles with the reading comprehension i think that's i think it's yeah, quite normal normal yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but everything else like math is quite good at he he does get quite negative about some of his uh math work so he'll you know we give him like a little quiz or whatever just to test him to help because this is what the teachers have told us to do as long as he's maintaining the basics it should be and right. then you slowly build on top of it it's okay because yeah. it's good like he'll learn the new stuff but if you quiz him on the basic stuff that he knows it's good positive reinforcement because he'll go oh, I can't do this this is too hard and then you go okay well let's just review your times tables right or your let's just do some addition and you go through some of these easy things and he's like this is so easy I can do this and then you do that new thing and it kind of gives him the boost of positivity that he needs to kind of go, oh, if I can do this, I can do this. And then he'll kind of sit down and, and do it. But he does struggle in some areas, but it's not enough for the school to, to say that he needs a minder. Whereas there are some kids in his class that really struggle 
and they probably, like, I had a, a discussion with one of the kids' nanas, and she said, oh, he, he's probably not going to make it into college. He's too, wow. he's, too, well, wow. I know. <laughs> Good motivation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I think it's because she's got serious concerns about his, from what I gathered of, um, from our conversation was she's worried about the support that he will have in school and being bullied. Rather than directly pointing to Eli, right? Yeah, I so, so I mean, he, he is a high function, uh, um, sorry, he's not a high functioning uh, kid. He needs a lot of support. He's the same age as Eli and he can barely write his name. Mm. So he's sort of there for the social interactions uh, just to try and get him to be socialized. Um, but she was sort of saying, you know, I'm quite happy to homeschool him. And he's really good at this, this and this. So if he's being homeschooled, um, I can teach him the, the basics, but then I want to really hone on the things that he's good at and help build him and mold him in an area that he's comfortable and confident in so that he can succeed as an adult. But but homeschooling is okay to some extent, right? I mean, You don't get the social interactions that's, that you that's, need. That's, that's yeah. the thing. That's, I'm not sure if you um, watch one of the videos from Temple Grandin. She's recommending to put kids at school, at school they will learn to interact. Oh yeah, with they pick up on other kids. Yeah. Whether or not they're learning what you want them to learn, they're still observing everything yeah. around them. And so they're still picking up on some of those basic things that you really want them to have. But I think it kind of depends on the child too. You don't want to push a child too far outside too far. of their comfort yeah. zone that it makes them close in on themselves where they're they have high anxiety. Now I don't want to go out because of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in some, I think in some cases, homeschooling would be appropriate, but there mm. are lots of, you know, you can be involved in community groups, uh, other autism. There are a lot of uh, autism groups in New Zealand that you can join. Uh, and you could do like weekend meetups and have them play or, you know, play alongside of other kids that are quite similar or have similar interests. So you can still socialize them outside of school, but it kind of just, I think, that it depends on how well the child the is child. going to, to, to be. Because you don't want to put a kid who's already a little bit different to other kids and, and make them... anxiety and now that's right. just drop. Yeah, I feel like that can do more damage than good in some, right. in some situations. Mm. But am I a professional? I don't know. That's just my mother instincts kicking in. <laughs> yeah. And we're learning. I mean, oh, it's yeah. always like that. Yeah, yeah. You definitely learn as you go. We make mistakes. We're allowed to. You know, we're not perfect. Yeah. And as long as we can, we can revert back to, to if we, we made a mistake, and then mm-hmm. can I just do it again? And <laughs> this time, <laughs> we'll have another child, little, and we'll try it all over again. <laughs> I'll do it a little more, more uh, uh, workable for you. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. I mean. You don't have a Ministry of Education support, right? For us, when my son started his kindy, mm-hmm. and the teacher, um, we, I mean, we openly told the teacher that we're waiting for an assessment to mm-hmm. come out, and then they recommended to apply for a, a, additional support in mm-hmm. Ministry of Education. So we filled out the form, and then they're the ones who submitted that. And then we were allocated with a learning, forgot the term, learning support, Teacher or something like that. Teacher so, aid. Te- uh, no, it's a, it's a, a specialist from the Ministry of Education who uh, will be okay. looking after your right. child. They will set some time with your family and uh, they'll talk okay. about your goals. Sure. They will go to the kindy or the school. They will talk about how the child is progressing mm. at school. They w- Once they've gathered those information, they will create a plan for your child. We definitely did not have that. Yeah. And... Surprisingly, or probably I'm not, sur- I'm not surprised at all, but the plan never <laughs> happened because, I don't know, for some reason. They just blame it on COVID, right? Uh, they blame, yeah. I have to say that we can blame it all uh, on COVID, but what are we going to do? Are we just accept the fact that, oh, there's COVID, maybe we just limit the support that we're giving, you know? And then... Yeah, and then we're the ones who brought up about the ORS funding to the to the support from the Ministry of Education. Like, we just learned about that from the training. So here's the kicker. So we went to this training, and then the facilitator just mentioned about the funding and stuff like that. And then, because they know my son, 
Yeah. So they, she did mention about, oh, your son might be eligible for an ORS. And then we, we said like, so what's an ORS? So this is the funding to have mm-hmm. a teacher aid. Cutting the story short, we, when, when our Ministry of Education support got back to us and then she visited or they visited us, they were talking about the plan and goals. Me and my wife did mention about the funding, like how about our ORS or the ongoing resources resourcing mm-hmm. scheme? So is it something that my son um, area can can leverage on or can also apply on? Oh yes, maybe we can also try that. I mean, like, should you be telling us or why why are we telling you? I mean, why is it the other way around? I mean, <laughs> so my wife and I were laughing after that, like. So what has happened? <laughs> we don't know. That's bad, eh? Yeah. So, I mean, based on their assessment on the papers that they have, they should have already like assessed like, oh, potentially we can try that, and then we are mm. suggest we can suggest that to you as a parent rather than parents suggesting or recommending that to the uh, support. Yeah. So. Yeah, but if you had done that, would you have? Do you think you would have ever found out about the funding? Because no. We didn't know about any type of funding and it was just happened to be a comment that I made in passing to Bernice. Right. And she said, oh, but have you, have you applied for the funding that you can get? Because mm. your child is um, registered ASD. Registered. Um, registered. He's <laughs> on the system. Uh, he, he, yeah. Wow. I know, right? Um, <laughs> okay. There, we have a list of people here that... Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you want to get funding, you have to be registered first. <laughs> Please fill out a form. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, she said, yeah, because he, uh, he he's <laughs> on the so system, right. uh, you can apply for funding. Right. Uh, and I said, no, I had no idea. There's nowhere is that information available right. or so, that I have seen. It needs to yeah. be obvious. Yeah. I feel like if anyone was going to find this, it would have been me because I know where to look. I remember I used to work for medical council as well. And you should know about that. So yeah. these are things, you know, that I feel like should be quite obvious to someone who's been working in fields like myself. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't know about it. So yeah. if I don't know about it, how you know, well, all these other, other people parents, kind yeah. of go without knowing about it as well. And I, I think maybe GPs need to have access to this information. Um, yeah. And maybe we can help the GPs. I think, it, yeah, I they, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it, in medicine is always evolving. Mm. As we have more research and more funding is put into specific areas, we've got you know new medications, new surgical develop, um, tools that are being developed, uh, new procedures. Uh, new diagnoses, right? So there mm. are new diseases that have appeared that have <laughs> yeah. possibly been around for ages. But um, so, you know, I, f- I really feel for doctors because they've got a lot on their plate. But when we're talking about our youth who are really vulnerable and susceptible, we kind of need to prioritize them. Sure. And I'm not saying that kids are more important than adults because there yeah. are adults who need access to mental health facilities as well. But you know, you've got children who are still learning to kind of develop into their own being. And if you don't have GPs that have access to basic information, you go into an appointment because you've been referred there to talk about uh, spectrum disorder and the GPs only know what they know. Right. If, they don't, if they have not been given up-to-date it. information mm-hmm. or, you know, there's a disconnect between Ministry of Health and Ministry of Education and Mental Health Services and you've got your poor GP here going, yeah, I can tell you what I know. Let's do this, this, and this. But then in the background, you've got Ministry of Education who can offer this, and you've got Ministry of Health mm. who can offer this. And, you know, you've got so many different services. Yeah. But they all seem to be disconnected, and they're not connecting Connected. the dots yeah. and working together as one organism to produce and deliver the mm. appropriate information and yeah. the services that we need to build a successful society, especially with mm. kids or more kids being diagnosed with ASD. And we're missing the boat in terms of being able to, you know, early in, do early intervention. Exactly. Especially, there, the, the problem with the long, this is just my idea, the problem with the long-term waiting, li- or not long-term, with the wait, long wait, uh, waiting list, I think can be addressed by having additional support from the GPs. If mm-hmm. the GPs can assess 
yep. the the people mm-hmm. or the the person if they're artistic or not, and the government can can perhaps accept that as a I don't know as a formal diagnosis. Yeah. Then we can perhaps shorten the waiting <coughs> waiting time. And I spoke to Hannah about Hannah from the Victoria University Autism mm-hmm. Clinic. She did mention about the AS detect. I think it's something that they are actually um, looking at doing a test. Yeah. But they're still seeking funding for that, which is I think it. We need to like wrap up with the government or whoever mm. does the funding so that at least they can test it across Wellington, and perhaps the GP can use that as a tool. And I don't know, it's the potential. I mean, potential solution. Right. We don't know. I always, um, this is a little bit off topic, but I kind of chuckle when people talk about funding because when you think about the taxes we pay, and this is sort of political, right? But I'm just saying, like, the other day I was having a wee little chuckle saying, why do we have city councils who put out surveys to say, hey, guys, we're thinking about doing this, this, or this. Hmm. Your opinion matters to us. Um, Which one do you think we should do? Or no change at all. And then the majority of people go, no change leave it as is no and then like a week later you go congratulations we're putting a new crosswalk right in the middle and reducing the speed <laughs> and you're like i wonder how much money you're putting into this investment when no one wanted it and this funding could be used for Somewhere something else, else. Yeah, something that else. we are in dire need of remember the 11.7 million I cannot. I, I try to move on from this issue, but I cannot move on from that issue. Every time I I see my son not being able to get his ORS funding, which mm-hmm. is he should he is entitled to that because mm-hmm. he's uh, a runner. So you drop him at school, he will just run, go away, and then climb the gate. So oh, no, see. So and then when he crossed the 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 street, he's not gonna look left and Mm-mm. right. He's he's just gonna cross. Bam. So my ten year old still doesn't look. Yeah. So. That's the point. I am trying to move on or move away from that issue, but that's ele- frustrating. You know that eleven point seven million that has been donated to the private school. Yeah. And so I said to someone uh, who is also directly um, uh, linked to someone with autism that mm-hmm. this funding could have been used to somewhere else, like kids who go to school who haven't eaten breakfast. Or I know, right? Kids who are in the autism spectrum. Not necessarily in the autism spectrum, but we can just it use it be... some, somewhere as long as, you right? know? So, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to move on from that. <laughs> I feel like these government people are smoking crack back here. Like, <laughs> we have so many basic needs that are not being met. Mm. And the children's uh, lunches, when I was a mm. kid, and granted this was years ago, <laughs> Um, we used to have lunches provided for us. So like we, you remember back in the day when you'd get the little milk cartons? Mm. We used to have that. I don't know if that was an American thing or not, but when I was in primary school and intermediate, yeah. lunch was provided. And then when you got into college, um, you, you could either bring your lunch or you had to pay for lunch. Ooh. But that was kicked out in the 90s, and it was like, that was, why? <laughs> why? Especially when you've got people who are struggling. To, like, we've got a hike in petrol, a hike in living costs. Mm. I mean, kids are going hungry. Right. Kids are not being diagnosed properly. Yes, and then we could abuse some of the fundings that are, I would call that, misallocated. <laughs> they, it turned well, out let's to build a crosswalk instead. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They turn it from a donation to a loan, but... I wonder if the lo- the the payment that they are regularly do are giving from that mm. um, 11.7. I wonder if they can just donate all the payment to people who are in the autism spectrum or who need support. I don't know. You should write the prime minister. <laughs> go. Your system is not working. I don't care if you are Labour, if you're National, if you're Green. This system is not working. Yeah, and I feel like there is more than 93,000 suspected people on the autism spectrum in Aotearoa or New Zealand. I feel like there's more. I mean, there's like, more. Just, I just learned about you. So, you know, I'm trying to do the statistics. Now. I don't think there's just 93K here. I think there's more and we're just not, I mean, we, that, that includes me because I'm part of the society. So we're just not, or we are just blinded by it, you know? I mean, 
Your stats can only go as far as people are diagnosed, right? Mm. How about those who are not diagnosed and those still Those who are not diagnosed. But it's because adults, it, you have to pay a lot of money to be an adult to right. get diagnosed. Um, if you suspect that you're on the spectrum uh, or if you've got bipolar or depression or something like that, I mean, it takes a lot to, mm. to see a doctor or a specialist to get a diagnosis. But I, I think that there are a lot of um, older people as well who might be on the spectrum who um, aren't, you know, reaching out because it's, you know, they might be embarrassed or ashamed. Yeah, but it's but it's already 2022, so we shouldn't feel like, I don't know. I feel like we all need to be advocates of, uh, I don't know. I know. It's just me, my, my opinion. But. No, I agree with you. I am, my dad is definitely on the spectrum. And he would not. He would not say that. I mean, he's seventy-seven. Seventy. Yeah, seventy-seven. Knowing what you know about it, right? Uh, oh my God! Yeah. Mm. I mean, when I was growing up, I always thought, "Oh, my dad sucks." You know, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't spend time with us. He's a workaholic. He's obsessed with work. He might see war- this. <laughs> but, yeah. He knows. I've said it to his face. All right. But my older sister and I were t- were talking about this um, in January this year, and I said, "You know, I think you really." Ooh. All right. Go ahead. I really think you need to be a little bit more patient with dad. And I said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Eli was diagnosed. Yeah. And a lot of his um, personality quirks remind me of dad a lot. Yeah. And she kind of went, ah, and I took her through it. And she goes, oh, my God, I am so glad we had this conversation because I think you're right. I think dad might be. be on the spectrum. And, I mean, he's got a photographic memory. He's socially awkward. <laughs> he knows. He says things that you kind of go, oh, my God, you did not just say that. Um, and, and he is very obsessive about things. So he cannot start something and not finish it. Right. Uh, I mean, a hu- a, an example of that was he messaged me last year. And he goes, God, you know, I'm still working through this freaking pandemic mm. and I'm having to study for car- my cardiology exams. And I said, what the heck are you doing studying cardiology in your 70s? <laughs> he goes, because I don't want any of my patients being seen by any of these really shitty cardiologists. Yeah. I don't trust them to do my work. So yeah. he's training to, to do cardiology so that he can refer his patients <laughs> <laughs> so he can, like, you know, tell these Damn doctors what to do. But he's a yeah. perfectionist. And in some aspects, that's exactly how Eli is. Mm. So right. I wonder, I'm like, oh. It might be. It might be. I mean, we can't tell. I mean, given that we're not experts. But. I know. I'm, I'm just saying that just like reading between the lines here and... It might be. Maybe it's you who passed it on. <laughs> Skips a generation, does it? <laughs> okay, so what could have been a success factor? Maybe a couple of la- um, last questions. Mm. Uh, what could be a, could have been a success factor for you? As if, if you are going to turn back time, I know it's a little bit odd asking that, but. No, I, I think that so far, I mean, Eli's a success story. I really do. I mean, I think the system could have been a little bit better for him and mm. reducing referral time and maybe the communication between departments can be much more efficient. Um, so that we can get his prescription renewed but or updated. Yeah. But the school, and, and I don't know if it's that every school is like this because mm. we've only had one kid go through school so far. Yeah. But his school has been very good. He's very small classrooms. Um, the GP is very lovely, and the specialist that we saw has been great. It's just unfortunate that he's not available when yeah. we want him to be. Um but overall, Eli's quite good. He's quite happy. He's in a good space. I mean, I am pissed off at a few aspects of our healthcare system because I feel like it's not meeting the bar. Yeah. But those are sort of things that are out of my control, and yeah. I can only do so much. What would you, you have changed in terms of the process? I mean, would you just perhaps go directly to the GP as you thought it would be? I understand that GPs don't have the same prescribing permissions mm. that psychologists When you're trying to do, do assessments? Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think that if GPs had the right um, training or um, uh, accessibility to yeah. information, information yeah. to help them make 
diagnoses and prescribe appropriately for those, that would eliminate so much of the weight. Mm. I mean, you've got psychiatrists who can prescribe, you know, the psychiatric medications and you've got GPs who can't access all of that medication. Yeah. And perhaps it's dangerous to give, I don't know, I mean, the uh, Council for Pharmacy, Pharmaceuticals or whatever, that, you know, they're, they probably, they have more information about it. But I mean, I just think if we rely so much on our GPs because they are our first point of contact yeah. for everything, they need to be given the support and education materials. They need to have access to everything because it's great we've got ED doctors, it's great we've got psychiatrists, but if they're not available for a whole year and you've got serious cases that are high priority that your GP can see next Thursday and prescribe for, done and dusted, with a follow-up appointment two months down the track or whatever, I don't understand why that's not a thing. Yeah. And our you know, GPs go through such a rigorous training program. And then why why can't we give why them can't more? they yeah. why can't they be the one to diagnose, prescribe and follow up? There are family doctors for a reason. Yeah. And we have what, like a handful of psychiatric doctors that are even available in New Zealand. They've just retired or they've left the country and now we're in a de right. deficit of these specialists. And so now people who are in the mental health category are suffering. And they are the ones that need the most Support. attention. Yeah. And what do you think we parents can do to support? Yeah, I think at the moment there are a lot of great support groups. You know, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think we rely so much on the medical system to help us and to help give us answers. Mm. But if we if we just kind of stay with each other and support each other and say hey look there are going to be some really hard times you're really going to struggle or hey i did this and it worked for me maybe try it you know like i think we just need a bigger communication connection between and information we just need about to segregate ourselves yeah. and be like we're the cool kids and the this is where you others. come <laughs> this is where you come to have cool conversations about being a cool kid who's got autism mm. and these are the things that we've done. This didn't work. This did work. Yeah. Um, it's right. great that you've got the medical community and you've got your doctors, but these things aren't working. Mm. And we can only do so much. We are on a 7 to 12 month waiting list for a medication review uh, or a diagnosis, like a you know, confirmation of what you already know. But in the meantime, what can we do is just be a tight-knit group of people who can offer support to each other and maybe right. say, come for a cup of coffee and a play date, you know? Yeah. Give parents, because parents need a mental break too. I don't yeah. think parents realize raising a kid who's got autism is a serious mental drain. It's not like uh, a 10-year-old who goes to sleep, like, a, like mm. a, yeah. a normal sort of family would be able to go, okay, lights out, whatever. A child with autism goes into a tantrum and it can last for hours and it's not like, you can just say, you know, you can just close the door and say, right, you have your tantrum, come out when you're ready to apologize or come out whenever you're cooled off. You have to take them step by step and go through, you know, take deep breaths. I understand, you know, you have to kind of baby them a little bit more than normal. It's not an easy job. It's exhausting for parents. This can lead to, for parents, this can lead to mental problems as well. Uh, I mean, like you, stressed yes, out parents. Burnout. <laughs> burnout, yeah. And super stressed out. Yeah, you get depression, anxiety. Mm, all those kind of stuff. Yeah. Fatigue, yeah. So we need parental support as well. Yeah. I and mean, I think a lot of parents probably reach, you know, yeah. in other ways. All right. Yeah. What is autism in the eyes of Uzi? Being cool. Being cool. Being yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Eli's a really cool kid. The kids that are in his class that have autism, super cool. Mm. They're quirky, they're fun. Honest. Oh, they're brutally honest. <laughs> That's My, what I like, I like about it. I mean, like, I don't have to tell you how good you are just to please you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely like, uh, I mean, like I said, Eli's quite high functioning, but we've had playdates with kids that aren't so high functioning as him, but they're still cool. Like we went mm. to a birthday party recently. Um, and they're just, you know, their train of thought is so different. It's kind of, 
you can be talking about one thing and then there's a bee that flies by and they're like, oh, this is really cool. And they start buzzing away and you're like, oh, this is, I wish I could live in your land. <laughs> it just looks so peaceful and cool. But right. yeah, right. I mean, it's been a journey for, for Eli and for my husband and I, but it's, I mean, it, I'm looking forward to seeing what he turns out to be as an adult. Because I think he'll be a cool, a cool person, yeah, and he's so, so sweet. He's so yeah. sweet, very sensitive. All right. Okay. Thanks for your time. And, yeah. Uh, thanks. Peace bump. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Every tangata fight takewatanga is different. If you fail with one strategy, don't stop. Keep moving forward. Always remember that for every failure you encounter, is one step closer to your success. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Memuto te fakawa haire. Let's stop judging others. Memahi tahi tato. Let's all work together. Kia maya, kia kaha, be brave and be strong. Are you crazy? I feel like that's opposite. Is I it? feel like if you say what you really want to say in the U.S., you'll get sued or cancelled. Remember that cancel culture is happening right now, and it's because people feel like their opinion matters more than someone else's. Oh, in New Zealand, yeah, you're yeah. much more free to speak your mind without getting hassled because yeah. we're sort of more open and you know open-minded about things. That's my that's my my problem. I mean, yeah. w w what? Sorry, I keep on that's moving. <laughs> this is how professional I am, you know. <laughs> you it fix works. it. Yeah working so yeah I was kind of worried if I was chewing on it would it pick up on the microphone no so you'd hear this really annoying sound in the background yeah I can put that as well <laughs> I mean see I told you I'm so professional right I can remove all the no I'm not gonna remove all the nice things I don't know how to do it so turn in the description oh yes me yeah yeah